0: Like a donkey, living a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone. up your
1: home. Sweet
2: home the Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here for you because we care. We care about you, but especially we care about your home improvement project and your home in general. If there's a project that you'd like to get done, there's something that's making you uncomfortable. If there's a an improvement that you've just been sort of itching to take on or a problem that you are just bugging to fix, give us a call because we are here to help. We've got tips, advice. Combined between the two of us, we've got a number of years in the business. <laughs> a lot, a lot, trust me. We're celebrating our 20th anniversary on the air all this year, and we're so proud to have been able to help so many of you over the years with your home improvement questions. So if you'd like to get some advice, give us a call right now. The number is one money pit 888-666-3974. Coming up on today's show, while most folks focus on how their landscape looks, they may not be as focused on their lightscape. You know, with the right combination of low voltage lighting, there's a whole new night view awaiting you. We're going to walk you through those options just ahead.
0: And are you looking to have a night out on the town without ever leaving home? Well, there's a new trend on tap that brings the fun to you, bar sheds. These are amazing, yes, backyard sheds outfitted with wet bars and more to turn it into your very own perfect personal happy place. We're going to share some tips to build one yourself in just a bit.
2: And did you know that you use more energy to heat and cool your home than anything else? We're going to have some tips on new technology and thermostats that can help cut back on that energy use while improving your comfort.
0: But first, we want to know what you are working on. Give us a call now. Let us know how we can help. Send us your pictures online. Anything that we can do to help make your project come out right the first time rather than the second or third is the way to go. So give us a call now.
2: The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Now and a lot of folks want to talk today. Leslie, let's get to it. Who's first? Kirk in North Dakota is on the line with a lighting question. What's going on?
3: So well, I got a quick question on fluorescent lights. You know, a lot of your uh, lights are, of course, rated, you know, 60 watts, etc. So my question kind of came in the fact that um, the fluorescent bulb that says this is equal to a 60-watt bulb. But sometimes it's just not enough light. So what happens? Or are you allowed... Put a bigger bulb wattage because since fluorescents are supposed to be taking elect- less electricity, can a guy put a bigger bulb in there and a fluorescence that says equals to 100 watts because it's still drawing less electricity?
2: So I think what you're talking about here is compact fluorescence, Kirk? Right. So the wattage limitations on fixtures is based on a calculation that involves incandescent bulbs, in, 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 and because it's because it equates to heat. You know, a 100 watt bulb is going to. Uh, emit a certain amount of heat, and uh, the fixture's rated to take that heat, that's that's what it's rated for, and you can't put more than that. When it comes to fluorescence, you're only using a quarter of the energy. So a 15-watt bulb would deliver you, deliver the same equivalent of 60 watts of light. You can have a bulb that delivers the equivalent of a bigger watt bulb, but you're still not actually putting that amount of electricity into it. Does that make sense?
3: Right. So you could actually, like you say, if it's a third, if it's rated for a 60 watt incandescent bulb you could virtually say if there is a 150 watt bulb in a fluorescent you should be able to put that in there and not cause an overload and get more light out of that same fixture.
2: Yeah, I probably wouldn't double it. <laughs> but I might, if it calls for a 60, I might go up to 100 because then you're moving from saying 15 wants to 25. But I have a better suggestion. Forget the compact fluorescents. They are an outdated technology. The LED bulbs it's, are where it's at today. They, they deliver a much better quality light with uh, just the same, if not more, savings.
3: But you know, that was the whole issue is sometimes you just don't get enough light out of some of those oh, fixtures.
2: Right. And I think that if, right, and also they're very temperature sensitive if it's a cold area. like
0: Well, and then they're color sensitive as well. You know, when you get a CFL, you have to pick what color temperature you want that bulb to feel. And they can all feel extremely different. So you might pick something that gives a cold, harsh light and you want something warmer. So there's a lot of experimenting with what type of fluorescent bulb you're going
2: to get
3: we will have to try some different things, but I was just worried about the wattage and making sure I didn't overheat the uh, original fixture.
2: No, you're smart. You're smart to be concerned, but I'd, I'd take a look at the LEDs, and I think once you start trying them, you'll be you'll be disposing of those CFLs. Well, thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate yeah. it. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project.
0: Heading to New Jersey, where Vicki has a painting question. How can we help you? I have dining room and part of my living room. I had...
4: The ceiling was peeling, painting and peeling. Okay. As the pieces were spreading wide, opening, coming down, I had a painter come, and he scraped all the peeled paint off, and there were parts that were not peeled, so he didn't touch that. He just peeled the pieces coming down. Now he painted. I have no idea if he put a sealant or not that after that, about a year or so later, I had the same problem. Now, this is all coming down, so I have another painter, another $4,000 I put into this, and it's peeling again.
2: Let's talk about what's probably happening with your paint. When you have paint that starts to peel like that, it's essentially sort of delaminating. The paint between the layers of paint it loses its ability to to remain sort of stuck together. It loses its bond. And it's very common for this to happen uh, when you have a lot of coats of paint because at some point, uh, you're really at the point of no return where the paint, you can't just keep adding more paint because it will peel. You have to strip off the paint that's there. So if you've got this problem of paint that repeatedly peels, The next time you work on this project, you have to apply a paint stripper and pull off the old paint. Then you need to prime that space and I would use an oil-based primer for maximum adhesion and then you can add the final finishing touch of a latex sealing paint over that. But if you keep adding good paint over bad paint, you're continually going to have this problem where you get peeling and delamination and the process will have to be repeated. Vicki, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit.
0: Stephen, New Hampshire, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today?
1: I've been in this house for, um, I don't know, maybe 15 years. But the crack was there before. It's in my garage. Okay. And uh, it's it's uh, maybe at the most, it's probably like a half an inch wide. But the the floor is it's almost like buckled a little bit along okay. the crack line. Okay. Yep. And I'm just trying to figure out what would be the best way to try to repair that. I mean, I know that... Like uh, where my driveway meets my garage floor, Uh, you know, the snow comes in, the rain, and everything else. And I do have a drain in the middle of the garage, excuse me, so um, the water does go down the drain. But, I mean, it goes into this crack, and I'm just trying to figure out if there was a way to uh, repair that. I was thinking about maybe uh, breaking it up and cleaning it out and re-grouting it or something. You
2: don't have to do anything quite so dramatic, so here's what you would do. Uh, Because it's so wide, you're going to need um, not only a crack filler, and I would look at the products that are sold by Quickcrete. They have a number of crack fillers, including one that is for wide cracks. It's more like a flowable kind of a product. And before you apply this to the crack, you're going to put something inside of it called a backer rod. So a backer rod is kind of like a foam tube. You know those... uh, foam tubes that kids play with in the pool. Like a pool noodle. Yeah, noodles. Noodle. Like a noodle. It's like, right, it's like yeah. a miniature version of that. And you you press it into the crack so that it basically holds up the crack filler. You'll press it in so that it's, it, it leaves maybe a quarter to half inch of space from the top of the backer rod to the top of the concrete. And, uh, and then you apply the flowable uh, filler on top of that and that will stop additional water from getting in there. And by stopping additional water, you're likely to get less movement because it's kind of a vicious cycle where you get water in that crack, it displaces some of the soil and then the the slab uh, will will settle. Now in terms of where the door meets the floor, if that's not lining up, you may have to do some work to that door. Is it a wood door?
1: No, no, it's uh, well, what I was talking about there was where the uh, driveway comes into where the slab of the garage meets the, you know, where it meets the driveway. So the crack has protruded beyond and it's
2: like Oh, uh, beyond it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, well you can then you can complete the the crack repair all the way out to the exterior the same way. All right guys, thank you very much. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money pit.
0: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at com. Well, from demolition to decor, we've got you covered with tips and advice to help get that job done. Tom, you know, this means that you're in charge of the demolition. Well, that's probably good. You do
2: not want to put me in charge of decor. <laughs>
0: Let's flip-flop one day and see how it comes out. Yeah, Anywho. that would
2: be interesting. <laughs> Roll reversal.
0: <laughs> Give us a call now. We want to talk to you about whatever it is you are working on at 888 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor, where it's easy to find top-rated local home improvement pros for any home project. Just go to HomeAdvisor.com.
2: Up next, safety, security, and style. A good outside lighting design can deliver all three. We'll have tips to improve your home's nighttime landscape with a brand new lightscape after this.
0: The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com.
2: Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Floorboards to shingles, gazebos to garages, give us a call right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT presented by Home Advisor. You can get instantly matched with top-rated pros for any home project and book appointments online all for free at HomeAdvisor.com.
0: Ellen in Illinois, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you with your tiling project?
2: Just basically have a
5: question about what I should do with tile. The grout is actually falling apart and I've been told that it was actually the wrong materials were used by the contractor and so mm-hmm. now I have a floor that I need basically need to redo it. So okay,
2: so the grout does have to come off and there's a number of ways to do that. If it's a lot of floor, you're probably going to want to have a contractor do this. They can grind out that grout. There's a variety of tools uh, that uh, can do that job. And then once it's ground out, basically you can just reapply it. Pretty straightforward project. Are the tiles uh, solid? Are the tiles moving at all? Or is it really just the grout that's falling out? No, the tiles are moving. And I think that's part of the problem. Oh, wait, the tiles are moving? Yes. If the tiles are moving, your problem is not the grout. Your problem is the tile. So the grout might just be evidence that the tiles are moving. But if the tiles were not adhered well, and they're shifting, that's going to break off little pieces of grout as a matter of, 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 uh, of that action, of that movement. So in that case, yes, you may need to pull the whole floor out. If it's, if it's just not installed well, you really can't do anything about that if you want tile. If you want to do something besides tile, you could install laminate flooring, which by the way is beautiful these days and it can actually look a lot like tile, on top of the old tile if that's something that interests you. But uh, generally speaking, if the tile is not adhered well and it's coming up and getting loose, that's more, more likely what's causing the grout to fall out. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Alan. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Sometimes what you see is not the actual problem. It's it's evidence of the problem. It's kind of what you're not seeing that could be causing it. You know what I mean, Leslie? Right. So in this case, if the if the grout is loose, she's thinking, well, I got bad grout. Well, not really. Apparently, you got bad tile.
0: Well, while most homeowners focus on their landscape looks, they might not be as focused on their lightscape. Now, with the right combination exterior lighting, there's a whole new night view just awaiting you. Now, a good lighting design can not only add safety and security, but it's also big on style if it's done well. So here's what you need to consider. First of all, Budget. There's a big range here, guys. Now, exterior lighting costs can run from a little to a lot, and adding a lightscape to a home where you plan to be for only a few years will merit a different level of exterior lighting investment than your longer-term abode. But even for bigger lighting plans, this is one improvement that you can easily spread over a number of years. You can do one side of the house at a time. You can implement one type of lighting. There's really different ways you can approach this to bring this in in layers to still get the end result but keep those costs down initially
2: good point. So next, let's consider durability. If you're working with a pro or shopping for a DIY lighting system, you want to go for quality fixtures and components. Low voltage is, of course, the way to go, but you really need to work with good materials. There's materials like copper and brass, for example, that these fixtures can be made out of. And of course, those are totally corrosion resistant. Now, there's also a lot of cheaper landscape lights that are out there, but what I'm finding is that many will rarely last more than a season or two. So you're probably better off buying better fixtures, good quality fixtures, and then breaking that project up into smaller chunks to help spread out that cost because you're either going to be replacing the fixtures in a year or two when you could really just be – adding a few more. So I'd rather see you do it over time with good quality fixtures that are going to really give you a long-term value.
0: Mm -hmm. That's very true. Now, the other thing, your sort of goal here when you're creating your lightscape is to create mood and focus. Now, there's a range of outdoor lighting fixtures that make it possible to illuminate your home's exterior, but focus is the key. Now, for front and backyards, you want to carefully choose focal points to receive the brightest and most dramatic spotlight and then build the rest of that outdoor lighting scheme around them. Overall, you want to shoot for a natural look that replicates moonlight streaming softly from above as opposed to heavy doses of uplighting.
2: Yeah, then you're going to need sunglasses at night. <laughs> 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 all right, now one final point. Remember to think about this as a system, right, where you've got multiple components and they're all combining to create that lightscape. So many times we think of lighting sort of one fixture at a time, but in this case, you want to plan it out so it all works together to highlight your home. Now, if that's a project on your to-do list, maybe you've got some questions about it or anything else. Give us a call right now. We'd love to chat about the next item that you'd like to tackle at one Money Pit.
0: Jim in Arkansas is on the line with a chimney question. How can we help you today? Well, the re- reason
6: I called is because I have an issue with my fireplace. It's just a regular wood burner. It doesn't have an insert in it, and I want to seal the chimney for health and energy loss reasons. You know, I I was thinking about putting a, a, a steel plate on the top because here in the Ozarks, whenever we get bad weather and that wind is howling, it sounds like a freight train coming through my fireplace and I have quite a bit of a draft and the damper, you know, just does not hold, you know, securely enough so I don't get that air uh, th- through there. I was wondering, can you give me some advice as to who to contact if it's feasible to do something like this? Is safety a concern?
2: It's certainly feasible to do this project. It's sort of the kind of project that you got to be a bit creative with. Because what you're going to want to do is try to form some sort of weather-tight shield across the top of the flue. I would tell you that whatever you do to this, make it removable because chances are if you sell this house at some point in the future, you know, somebody might find it really attractive to have a fireplace there in the Ozarks and want to, you know, reactivate this chimney, so to speak. So... However you seal it across the top, you got to find, out, find an easy way to do that. You know, one thing that comes to mind is that there's a damper that fits in the top of a chimney liner, and it's sort of like a weighted heavy metal door, and th- the way it's activated is that there's a stainless steel cable that goes down through the middle of the chimney, and it's uh, hooked onto the side of the fireplace, and when you release the cable, the door flops open. So that would be a a way to put a device up there that's really designed for a flu and will serve the dual purpose of sealing off the draft from the top. Okay.
6: Well, I thank you very much for uh, giving me the time, and I love your show. Listen to it two hours every Sunday morning.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much, Jim. It's nice to hear. We appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Up next, you've heard of man caves, but what about bar sheds? They're popping up in backyards everywhere. We're going to share some tips to create your own next. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy.
2: Home Solutions Live. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Pick up the phone, give us a call right now at 1-888-Money Pit, 888-666-3974. I did a project this weekend, Leslie. I was, uh, I have a patio, you know, off my back door, so to speak, and the edge of the bricks were kind of like collapsing downward because the edge was sort of failing, wasn't supported well. So we built a curb there that was about four inches wide with cement, and we just used Quikrete. And it was so easy to mix up, get it into the trench, trowel it up, and the thing hardened in just a few hours. And now we've got a nice gray border around the whole thing.
0: And I love that you're thinking spring.
2: Yeah, well, that's what happens with those patios, right? I mean, the water just sort of gets to them after a while, and they start to sink and sag and and settle. But the outside edge was just sort of like the whole pattern was coming apart. So it was fun. It was like putting a puzzle back together and then sort of locking it all in with that quick-create curb. So that was my project. But I'd love to hear about your projects, whether they they just got done, tell us how they went, or whether they're on your to-do list. That number, again, is 888-666-3974.
0: Karen in Arizona is on the line with an air conditioning question. How can we help you today? Yeah, I was just um, curious which is a better choice between the red
4: and the train. I need four units. I have to replace them all.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would look at a couple of things. First of all, they're, they're both good brands. So I would look at the efficiency rating for all of the units. I would look at the warranties for the units. And I also would make sure that you choose your HVAC contractor carefully because a lot of the efficiencies in these systems relies heavily on the quality of the installation. So we we do want to be very careful about who's installing it, make sure the ducts are all sealed and that kind of stuff. Because if not, you're going to have inefficiencies as you use the system as time goes on. But they're both great brands, so I think you can go wrong either way. Just make sure when you're comparing apples to apples that you make sure you, they, they each have the same efficiencies and warranties. Well, you said
4: something about ducts.
2: Yeah, the duct system that feeds the air to the different rooms, you want to make sure those ducts are properly installed and that they're sealed because a lot of times where ducts are joined, uh, especially in older homes, those, those uh, intersections are not sealed properly and a lot of air leaks out there. So the little things like that have a big impact on efficiency of the system.
4: And the other question is, I have a pet boarding business, and um, I'm trying to use some sort of air filter that will get, um, will take up smells. Do you know if any are better than others? Because I put the Auric and another brand in the cat room, and I can still smell cats.
2: Yeah, I bet. <laughs> that certainly would be the test of any HVAC, any filtration system. Well, look, the best filtration systems are really designed more for dust than for um, Odor, however, I know that 3M has one that has uh, has a charcoal base to it that is far more efficient at taking odors out than just about anything else out there. And so, is this a forced air system that you you would have for that area as well?
4: No, this is just like I had gone into one pet boarding place and I smelled the urine really bad, and I go, "This isn't going to make it this place because of the urine." And then they had four four like filters that were sitting on the wall, just they kinda look like a mini auric, you know? They were they were on the wall, hung on the wall, just like the size of maybe one foot by one and a half feet, a little rectangle, and they really took the smell out. And I don't know which brand she used.
0: No, Karen, I think the issue that you're having in finding something that is gonna work well for you is that You know, we really want to make sure that we find you something that works from a commercial standpoint, something that's made for a business like yours, which has, you know, a lot of animal odors. And there's a company out there called Air Oasis, and that's their website, airoasis.com. And if you click on their commercial section, you'll find that they've got commercial air purifiers and air sanitizers that are carbon-based, and they they will really reduce a lot of this odor and bacteria and viruses and VOCs. So I would check them out, and there might be something that would work well for you there. All right, yeah, that'd be good. Might help for
4: smokers, too. I don't smoke, but in case the audience <laughs> is listening. So, okay, I will go to Air Oasis. Thank you so much.
2: Well, by now you've probably heard of sheds that are designed as man caves for the guys or she sheds for the ladies, but now there's an amped up version of these getaways that's becoming more popular in backyards everywhere, and this time they are for men and women alike.
0: That's right. They're called bar sheds, and they're exactly what they sound like. Outdoor sheds outfitted with bar stools, beer fridges, even wet bars
2: and ice makers. Now, if you want one, an existing shed is the most affordable place to start. If you've got someplace else to store everything that's currently inside it. But a pre-made shed, or even one you build yourself, is going to help your bar shed feel a lot cleaner and newer. And, of course, you won't have that leftover gasoline smell from the last lawnmower that occupied (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) Which could be part of its charm, but you never know. Now, once you've got the shed, any bar supply store offers all of the furniture and equipment necessary to outfit that bar shed of your dreams, whether it's just seating and some liquor shelves or a fully operational wet bar. I mean, I've seen so many of these online. If Truly, if you head to Pinterest and just type in bar shed. There are some with like beautiful lighting and really amazing counters and beautiful live edge wood bars. (laughs) There's some great ways to make a beautiful bar space for yourself.
2: Now, before you get too out of control, keep in mind that building permits may be needed to run power or plumbing if you're doing a more souped up bar shed. But if you're just sharing drinks with family and friends, roughing it is all in the fun. And Leslie, I think if you do build a bar shed. You should have a bar menu that goes with it, right? I named the drinks after what used to be in the shed. Like, I'd like one of those weed whackers, please, you know? <laughs> be a little creative. Have some fun with
0: it. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Well, spring will be here soon enough. We promise. And if you've got a spring project planned, now is a great time to talk about it. We're here to help you get that project done on time and on budget. Back with your calls at 888-MONEYPIT after this. You live in a Money Pit. Is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com.
2: Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Call us right now at 1 888 Money Pit, presented by HomeAdvisor. You can find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of HomeAdvisor's top rated pros for free.
0: Next up, we've got Kenneth on the line to The Money Pit, who's got a flooring question. How can we help you today?
2: Hi, well, I was going to ask
3: you about how do you fix squeaky floors on the second floor of a house that has rugs without ripping up the rugs?
2: There's a couple of things that you can do. First of all, you need to understand what causes the squeak. And generally, it's movement between the subfloor and the floor joist underneath. Right. So to try to reduce the squeak or eliminate it, you know, you mentioned that you've got rugs, you don't want to take them up. I just want to tell you that, of course, the surefire way to stop these squeaks is to pull the rugs up and then to screw the subfloor to the floor joist using long, hardened steel screws which you drive in with a drill. You don't want to do that. So I'm going to tell you a little trick of the trade on how you can fix some of the worst ones without doing that. And that is to locate the floor joists underneath the carpet. Now, you need to do that kind of by trial or an error. You can do that by tapping on the floor. You can do that with a stud finder. There's a whole new line of Stanley stud sensors that work really well and they'll penetrate through the carpet. You need to find that beam. Once you find the beam, then what you do is you get yourself some 12-penny, galvanized finish nails. And I say galvanized, and and hot-dip galvanized is the best. Those are the ones that are really sort of crusty on the outside. And you find that spot, and you drive the nail straight through the carpet. Don't let your wife see you do this, okay? Because she'll get upset with you. Straight through the carpet, and then with a the nail set, you punch that head right through the carpet. When you finish driving with a hammer, it'll look like the carpet's dimpled. But if you take a nail set, you'll punch it through the, the surface of the carpet then sort of pull the carpet back up and rub it with your hands a couple of times, and it'll, it'll disappear. That divot will disappear. What you're doing is you're securing that floor right above, uh, right through the carpet without pulling the carpet up. Now, I wouldn't want you to do this to the whole house, but I've fixed this in lots of houses using two or three strategically driven nails, and I find if you drive it at a slight angle, it works better because the nail holds better.
3: Okay, well, I noticed they had on the old, this old house the other day on TV, they showed you how to do it with the rugs before I called you, and they use this O'Berry Enterprising kit, which is a drill bit that's only got three threads on it that you drill down until you find your stud. Then they have a... a 50 screws with little socket heads on them, and you drill those down into the beam, and then you have a little tool that breaks the head off. And it's ingenious. The only thing is is that I can't find the beams.
2: <laughs> yeah, you need a stud sensor, so that would be a worthwhile investment of a few dollars. I mean, those stud sensors are, you know, 10 to 20 $25 for a real good one. I will, and I thank you so much.
0: Well, we spend more money on the energy to heat and cool our homes than almost anything else, which is why it pays to take advantage of the latest in thermostat technology. And that's why we love what's happening to Wi-Fi thermostats. You know, they're designed to combine home comfort with reduced energy use.
2: Yeah, and there's more and more features coming to these every day. First, let's just set the stage here by talking about exactly what a Wi-Fi thermostat is. It essentially is a thermostat that is hardwired to your heating and cooling system, but it's also connected to your home network, your home Wi-Fi network. You can find them at a wide variety of price points. Because they're on Wi-Fi, though, there's a lot that they can do that those plain, hardwired, old-fashioned thermostats can't do.
0: Yeah. For example, because they're Wi-Fi enabled, you get convenience and comfort of remote control access. Now, you can control your system at home, from work, or even when you're away, or simply even from the other side of the room when you just don't feel like walking over to use the thermostat.
2: Yeah, let's talk about those couch potatoes, huh? (laughs) Now, these thermostats are also smart. They actually can optimize the heating and cooling system performance based on activity in the home. So, instead of dealing with setting up a clock setback thermostat, these thermostats can have activity sensors. So, when there's no one up and walking about the house, it can drop to a very efficient energy setting and save you some money.
0: Plus, some of these are even geofenced. Now, that means you can set it to turn up the heat in the winter or the air conditioning in the summer when you get within a few miles of your home so your whole entire house will be comfortable from the minute you walk in the door.
2: Yep. And these thermostats are going to work on a number of system types and brands. So, it's most most likely that whatever Wi-Fi thermostat you get is going to work with your heating and cooling system. And you can pretty much find them everywhere. So there's some ideas to add some convenience comfort to your home. And if you want to tackle a project that can do that, maybe it's a decor dilemma, maybe it's a new kitchen or bath, we'd love to hear from you about that project. The number again is one 888 Pit, or post that question to the community page at moneypit.com. Irina in Oregon,
0: you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today?
5: I have a house and it's located on a slope, so my uh, backyard actually sloping towards my dining room. Okay. And recently we had a big storm and I noticed that there is a couple of inches of standing water in the crawl space. Hmm. So I I talked to a couple of people and then I did a research and they basically have two options. One suggestion is to do the French pipe system outside of the house another thing is to have a french pipe inside of the house on in the crawl space with a french with a pump and like seal the whole crawl space and those two projects they are in a different kind of budget price range so i was wondering what you guys would recommend
2: the problem that you're having is a drainage issue and you have to figure out a way of intercepting that runoff before it gets to your crawl space You definitely don't want to put this system in your crawl space. Those are very expensive systems. And what happens is you're still going to have a lot of water in and around that crawl space, which can make the structure unstable. So what you want to do is to put in a French drain that intercepts that water as it comes down the lawn and then runs around your house. The good news is that there's a new product out right now that makes that easier than ever, and it's simply called an easy drain. And basically, it's a French drain that's wrapped in an aggregate that's made out of foam pellets and then covered with a filter cloth. Before you used to have to dig a hole, put in stone, put in a perforated pipe, put in more stone, put in more filter cloth, and then put in dirt. A lot of work. Now you just basically dig the hole, throw the easy drain pipe in it, cover it up with dirt, and you're good to go. So, it's really cut the expense and the time it takes to get this fixed down to nothing. So, I think you are going to put in need to put in a French drain in the backyard. Um, And using the easy drain approach is the best way to go.
5: Oh, thank you. Is it okay if I put the soil, the existing soil, or do I I heard that I need to purchase another type of soil because it's all like clay and everything when when we dig out?
2: If you do have clay, you may want to use a clean filter around that pipe. That would just be a a little more porous and help the water flow into it easier. Okay. Generally, I would say no. You know, if you have clay, you don't want it to cake up. So I think that's what you're Okay, thank you. Yeah, the product's called Easy Drain. Um, it's made by NDS, and I think they sell it at the Home Depot. Just Google Easy Drain, you should find it. Thank
0: you so much. Hey, are you planning a kitchen renovation but finding that cabinet prices are eating up a big piece of your budget? We've got some low-cost cabinet options that will let you have your cake and eat it, too, after this. in a
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Give us a call right now on the Money Pits Listener line at eight 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 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor.
0: You can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area, read verified reviews, and book appointments online all for free.
2: No matter the type of job, Home Advisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros.
0: Get more advice, more answers, more Money Pit, whatever you want by liking us on Facebook. Head to facebook.com slash themoneypit and click like.
2: And if you're online, you can post your question to the community page. David from Idaho did just that. Seems like he's looking for a cabinet upgrade, Leslie.
0: Yeah, he's looking for inexpensive cabinets for the kitchen that won't use up the entire remodeling budget. What's cheaper, assembled or ready to assemble?
2: Well, I mean, look, you can get a quality version of either at a pretty reasonable cost. Home Depot has assembled cabinets. Lowe's has assembled cabinets. IKEA has ready-to-assemble cabinets. We've had good experiences with both, so I would say let the design guide you and choose one that is going to work for your space. I mean, the Home Depot products seem to be more traditional in look and feel. IKEA has those traditional looks, but they also have many more modern looks and the added bonus of carrying lots of very customizable pieces like pull-out drawers and things like that. But lastly, there's a lot of other ways to update a kitchen without even replacing those cabinets, and David should be considering things like painting, for example. Right.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I mean, there's a couple of different ways that you can approach sort of restyling your kitchen. Now, if you've got cabinets that are in good shape and they're made out of actual lumber and not particle board and laminate, you can paint them and you can make them look beautiful and you can do it a different color on the lower, a different color on the upper cabinets, change out the hardware, and suddenly you've got a different space. For the upper cabinets, a lot of people have just been removing the doors altogether and going for more of an open airy look. There's a ton of different ways that you can sort of incorporate these no cost options or very low cost options for a big effect, and then you're able to create the bigger space when you're ready
2: for it. Well, do you love displaying photos in your home, but you're hassled by finding frames and getting the photos to look just right once you get them in there? Leslie's got some details on how to do that right in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie?
0: Yeah, you know, one of the greatest ways to make a space your own is to hang pictures that mean something to you and your family. But if you visited a frame shop lately to check on the price, you'd know that having something professionally framed can be super expensive. So instead, you can buy some cheap frames just about anywhere, and customize the mats. It's a lot easier than you think. You just need some heavy-duty paper or cardstock in any color that complements the picture. Now, you cut the outside of the paper to match the dimensions of the inside of the frame, and then with an exacto knife or an actual mat cutter, you want to cut a shape big enough to display however much of that picture you want showing. Now, here's the trick: you should get non-acid tape and tape only one side of the picture to the matting. If you take more than one side. This could cause it not to lay straight or to wrinkle. And you can really cut a mat like a pro. It really is simple to do. Just take your time, cut straight, always start cutting it a little bigger just in case you make a mistake, you've got some area to trim back. But if you do this, you could create groupings of similar photos for a beautiful gallery style effect. You can even go ahead and use black and white prints to bring a sort of cohesive look to very different photographs. Go crazy. Create a gallery. It looks so beautiful and so clean and so personal. You'll love it. Your guests will love it. It's a great project.
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Coming up next time on the program, hardwood floors have always been a very popular choice. But now there's new look-alike hardwood flooring that are causing the original hardwood floors to sort of step aside. We're going to show how this new flooring is going to help you step up your style, but on a budget on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.